Well, I don't know if you know it, but it's been a weird year, hasn't it? Yeah. It's crazy the stress all of us have been under. And it doesn't matter even if you've been insulated somewhat from a major consequence. We've all had to live in a different way, haven't we? You know, I think of those who suffered the most, and make no mistake, we know the poor and those who are struggling with life have much more than any of us. But in our own families, in our own lives, it's our kids that this is tough on, isn't it? I mean, we know kids aren't really made to be in isolation like this. Imagine a middle schooler who part of the year has had to take their studies online and like a college student suddenly go back and do it on their own. Imagine families, whether single parent or two together, trying to manage all of that and just trying to navigate what's going on. Imagine our singles who already feel alone in this family kind of focused West Michigan life, and now they're even in greater isolation. Think of our older adults who are told not to go anywhere, and it's just a mess, isn't it? In fact, I, I regularly will talk to people, and they're always telling me, you know, I just don't know why I'm more tired. I don't know how to manage all this. And you're like, listen, you're going through a mess right now. We're not made to live like this. In fact, we understand we're made to be more than just in isolation, although we keep hearing it's an introvert's dream but I have a feeling even for introverts, they're stuck with somebody in their house, most likely. I, I still remember Ed Stetzer tweeting out his, his wife as an introvert. He says, she's so glad, you know, this is probably her dream. And, and then he turned to her and asked her about it. And she said, well, when are you going back to work? <laughs> like, oh, geez. I mean, it's a, it's a weird, chaotic mess. And then I want you to take this and go, see, so we're all supposed to cope with it. And many of us even say things like, oh, you know, I have it better than others. Therefore, it's not a problem. But this is not about gradation and who has the most struggle of it. It's the reality that every one of us are living in a way counter to how we're made. Now, I want you to think about this because whenever we get in difficulty, we usually go to our heroes. How can our heroes help this? How can they be kind of a pathway for us out of this? And I want you just to consider for a minute who your heroes are. If you're online, you can actually shoot this in the chat. You're welcome to talk about it at home. Uh, if you're together with people, even here, just think, and they can be fictional or real life people, but just think of a few heroes that you have. You can even just say them out loud or say them to a few people around you. Who are some of your heroes just in life that you look to or people you love in movies? Don't all jump at once, it's okay. I know you're just thinking out loud, so I'm gonna jump in there. It's funny because I thought of them and I think of fictional people like Jason Bourne is one of my heroes. You know what? That dude is just so awesome. He doesn't need anyone else, does he? I mean, oh my goodness. No matter what goes on, he's anticipated everything. He just takes everyone out, takes everyone down, and just lives his single, individual, unique way with no problems or no worries. Wouldn't you? I'm going to change my name to Jason Bourne just so it feels better. Hey, what's your name? Oh, Jason Bourne. Eh, I don't think so. No, really, it is. Eh, not the right one. I know. Or I even thought of somebody like Lieutenant Caffey in A Few Good Men. He's one of my heroes. I love Tom Cruise in that role. I love how he uses his rugged individualism and overcomes all odds and moves ahead to change the trajectory of two young men's lives through that powerful story. Make no mistake, almost all of our heroes are individuals. We start even at an early age with this. I was thinking back to movies that we watched with our kids when they were little, like Ants. Ants was a movie that was about this whole community of ants, and this one ant was unique and just couldn't be himself, and so he had to go his own way to find his own way. 
and changes everybody else to be more individualistic rather than so communal. Because guess what? We love individuality and we struggle with community. It's how we are. It's how we're in great. So even when we hear something like life is a team sport, that sounds great, but there's kind of a limit to it. It's not really the way we want to be. I mean, even when we see a good team, you know, like we watched the Super Bowl last week. I mean, it was so fun to watch the greatest of all time win again. I just loved it. I know some of you are like, you hate him, and I'm just sorry for you. When you're a Lions fan, you've got to grab something, okay? And it was amazing to watch the teams, but you realize every one of those athletes is an independent contractor that fights for what's best for them. And they do team along the way, but they do it as long as it reaches a common goal. It's kind of how we do life. Think of it this way. Think of the things that you hear. And whenever you hear something, whether it's encouraging or challenging, do you hear it through the lens of individuality or community? So, so even think of things that we hear as slogans and mantras. Just do it from Nike. When you hear just do it, are they telling you to just do it? Or are they telling the whole community together, let's just do it? We hear it through individuality, don't we? I mean, who would think just do it, all of us? Or how about Apple, think differently. Think differently? Should we all think differently? Then no one's thinking the same at all. They're telling you to stand out, that you stand out and you do something when you're unique and like no one else. And boy, has there ever been a time, at least in my life, that I've ever seen individuality even elevated more. I'm like no one else in so many ways. I wanna be identified like me and me alone. Let me place this even into how we read scripture. When our kids were growing up, I loved to tell them not all of the Ten Commandments, just the one that I told them had a blessing in it because it worked to my advantage. The the commandment is honor your father and mother. Do you know what it says after that? That you may live a long life in the land and it may go well with you. In other words, we tell your kids, you need to honor us and guess what? Life's going to go better. You might want to use that when you get home, by the way. Here's what's crazy about it. You know that it does say honor the, your father and mother individually, but you know what it says it may go well with you? It's communal. In other words, how you live individually affects the whole community and how I live individually affects the whole community. In other words, I don't know if you realize it, but scripture's actually written to a group, not to an individual. I'll give you one more. Jesus, and if you've been around church, I bet you've even cited this. If you haven't, don't worry about it. But there's a place in his teaching where he says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. And then it goes on to speak about this. Now, it's a beautiful picture about prayer and about engaging and about asking God for things. I'm willing to bet if you've read it, if you've heard it, you think I need to persist and ask. I need to seek. I need to knock and keep trying. Guess what? It's written to a community. You ask. You seek. You knock. You see, I think for us, we love the idea of a team sport. We love the idea of being our individual independent contractors that work with the team as long as it goes well, but we miss the beauty that God's actually made us to be in relationship with each other, that there's something bigger than this, and it's not the means to an end. The means are the end. 
Now, I want to show this to you just in some broader brushes today. And we're going to start with where Jesus is in this. We're going to go to a place. This is John's account of Jesus. And in this particular moment, Jesus is alone with the Father. He's praying to him. He's praying God the Son to God the Father. And very uniquely, we get a picture. And in fact, the first part of the prayer is just for his disciples. And then he goes on. It's going to set this where we're going. He says this, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That's everyone who follows Jesus for the rest of time. Good prayer, huh? And it's for us. I just want you to be excited about that. You guys look so calm and so quiet and so good, but just give me a little facial. I can see most of your faces today, so let me see your faces. Just don't look like you're bored. This is awesome stuff. He says, here's what it, I want to pray that they'll be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am, in, I am in you, may they also be in us that the world may believe you have sent me. Now, we could talk about unity. That's what we usually do in this passage, the idea that Jesus and the Father are in perfect unity. But I want you to think of it a little differently. I don't want you to think unity. I want you to think community. And here's why. You see, Jesus God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. God the Son, God the Father, God the Holy Spirit. We understand it is a mystery. God is one, and yet he is three distinct persons in this oneness. Now what that tells us, and what Jesus is praying here is, within God himself, he has community. Now I'll tell you why that matters. Scripture teaches in Genesis, when man and woman are made, it says, let's make God in our image, like us. So if God has perfect community within himself, he's thrown into our DNA, into our very lives, the desire, the need, and the wonder of perfect community. It's how he made us. We're like him. He, Jesus isn't praying this just going, well, people don't get along. Let us have them get along like we do. He's saying, listen, we made them like us. Now, make no mistake, when sin happens in the beginning of time, when we look at Adam and Eve, we know all these relationships get broken. Their relationship with God's broken. Their relationship with others is broken. And their relation to the very creation is it says creation goes into basically death. It's moving towards that. When Jesus comes crazy, he doesn't come just to create, he comes to recreate. Meaning through his life, death, and resurrection, it's wonderful what Jesus did at the beginning of time in making us, but it's even more amazing that through his new life, he gives new creation to us. In case you don't realize it, guess what? We are the new community. We are the new family that lives a new way from what God is doing. Now, I realize you all look very calm and collected, but it's not calming at all. It's unbelievable. When Jesus rises... He's saying, I'm putting something back in you. I'm praying for it right here, that you will suddenly be able to become a community like you've never had in your life. I love that you all come from families, but guess what? Your family alone is not the new community. The great new community is founded in who Jesus is, not in your biology. He's saying it's even greater. Now, I don't mean that as an affront to your families, but here's what we usually do. Well, my family is my community. Why do you think Jesus said, these are my brothers and sisters, when his own family was outside? Not to shun them, to say, I'm making a new kind of community that's so much better and so much more needed. 
I want you to see how this is a theme through what he does. We'll, we'll just go back. In the same time in John, when he's with his disciples, uh, he says some other things to them. He spends the whole part of chapter 15 talking about what he calls abiding. He says, listen, I'm the vine, you're the branches. You can't have anything without me. You have to be connected to me, and you have to remain in me. Now, first of all, he does this in an agricultural society, so it makes sense to them. But the other part is, when he says abide in me, he's saying you plural, not you individually. Again, how do we read that? Oh, I just need to go. If I go and I'm alone with Jesus and I connect to him, that's how it goes. And then I go out and what happens to me just happens to me. And what happens to you happens to you. There's really no need for this community unless it helps and serves me well. Let let me illustrate it one more way before we look more at what Jesus is going to say here. I wonder how many of you had group projects in school growing up at all? Just go ahead, show of hands. Okay. How many of you preferred doing a project alone to a project in a group? Most of us did. If you probably preferred the other, I bet it's because you thought, I don't want to do this, maybe we can share the load, which is fine. But the reason we like to do it alone, most of us do, is guess what? I'd rather be responsible for my part. In fact, if we do a group project and you don't do as well, why should I be penalized? That's what we think, isn't it? That is not how God sees life. God sees us as his people, not just individuals alone, our own way. So let me show you what Jesus says after he's told them this whole idea of abiding and being close to him. He says this, I've told you this, all that I've told you, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. In other words, it's not complete if it's alone, it's complete together. And then he extends it further This, by the way, is called why we have Monday Thursday, if you've ever been part of a church that has a service like that, because this is a commandment he gives. It's on the day before Good Friday. Love each other as I have loved you. You realize that's community, right? And here's what he's saying. You will not have a complete life. You cannot even have complete joy unless it's in connection to others. When you have something great happens, do you just go, I can't wait to go sit alone and not have anyone else know? No, you gotta tell somebody else because it's amazing. When someone comes and tells you something of great joy, do you realize what happens in all of you together? Jane and I have some very good friends. They've had heartache with some of their raising of kids and growing up and some of the pain in that. We've just been praying with them for a long time. Recently, they came to tell us that one of their children had returned to relationship with them and had a major breakthrough in their lives. And they were just kind of beside themselves with joy and it welled up in us too because we got to see God move in their lives and we got to see the joy they had and we knew it meant something new. Guess what? That's complete. Do you get the picture? It's not the same when you're alone. It must be together. That's the way God made us. We're made in his image. Jesus, the Father, and the Spirit are one. They're in community. They've made us the same way to be in community. Good, you're with me so far. I want, you to show, I want to show you that Paul, one of our earliest church leaders, gets this very same idea. He says it this way, make my joy complete. It's not complete if it's alone and by itself. Here's how you make it complete. You'd be like-minded. You have the same love. You'd be one in spirit and one in mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. He's addressing our normal sin patterns, which are to put ourselves first. And by the way, you might do this more subtly. No, no, I want you to do well, just not quite as well as me. I just need to have my life go ahead well. 
do nothing out of selfish ambition or being it. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Don't look to your own interests alone, but each of you should look to the interests of others. He's setting a course for the new family and the new church in the way that God wants to move. Guess what? With what Jesus did through his life, death, and resurrection is not just forgive you from sin. He's creating a whole new way of life, a whole new people for him, a whole new family. See, the church is a family. It's not simply an organization. He's saying, these are my people. And they're meant to be together. And this is how you're meant to live. Now, in case you don't know, the New Testament, all these writings for the early church, 59 times we are given direction on how to treat one another. They're called the one another's. These are all of them. And I just want you to look at them for a minute. They, they're kind of ca- encapsulated. They're in different passages. So like with love, you see all the different times it's listed with teach. I want you just to consider for yourself, what's one of these that's easy for you and what's one that's difficult? Just think about it for a minute. You can even post it online if you want to. But I want you to consider what's easy or difficult as you look at these. And I want you to make no mistake, God wants to change us to be people that live like this. And also, what we tend to do is we pick the ones we want. Oh, you know, that person does not live the way they should. Ah, God told me to speak the truth to them. But you realize all of these he tells us to do? Yes, you speak the truth. You also want to live in harmony with. You also wash the feet of. You also submit to. You also love. You also teach. You also forgive. You're also kind to. Oh, I have to be kind when I'm speaking the truth? Eh, I'm a truth teller. Eh, You don't get a pass on that one. Or I'm just going to be kind, so I'm not going to say anything. No, you don't get a pass on that either. Oh, I belong to them? They're actually my family, my new way of living? I bear with them? You've got to be kidding. Do you know what they're like? Do you know what you're like to live with? I know what I'm like to live with. I thank the people around me all the time. Thank you for still being here. Forgive, encourage. Now, I want to ask you something. If we grew in all of these things... Think of all the problems going on in the world. Do you think the world would notice? (sighs) Make no mistake. Think of all the ways you think things should change. Well, if they just do this differently, if they listen to me on how to govern, if they listen to me on what to do about that, if schools would listen to me, if the church would listen to me on when to open and when not to open, they would listen to all this. I'm sure you got lots of them. You're flapping your gums telling everybody. This is what changes the world. Us. Becoming people that learn to love each other in ways no one humanly can. And make no mistake, this is not through trying harder. Do you know what much of this is? Oh, God, I am scared to speak the truth. Will you give me courage? I don't know how to do it lovingly. Oh, God, I don't know how to forgive them for the way they talked about this or what they said to someone else. Oh, God, how do I accept people that think differently than me? How You can't be. Yes. God, help me. Can you get a picture for how this changes the world? And can you understand that we can't do that alone? Do you realize in community, not only do we get to become this, others get to become it. And by the way, you cannot learn to do these things in isolation. They're called theoretical. You know, I love people so well. Well, how do you do that? I stay alone. It doesn't work that way. And make no mistake, this is not an affront to introvert versus extroverts. Extroverts like to be with people. It doesn't mean they actually do well with people. Could be that people are just an energy grab or a way they kind of work a room. Sometimes I have a lot of respect for introverts, which I'm not. 
because I think there can be a depth. Hey, I want a relationship that matters. This is not about your personal makeup. It's about the design of God. He made us for something more than this. Now, I'd love to go through all of these. It would take us months to do it. In fact, I would encourage you, if you didn't take a screenshot of this, maybe even go back or do it online, what a great thing to begin to even pray and ask for during the day. Hey, God, I'm not sure I care for others very well. Can you help me to start to see them the way you do? Because chances are, if you don't care for them well, you don't understand what they're going through, or you think this, well, they shouldn't be going through that. If they did it right, they'd be better, because I do it right because we don't understand other people's circumstances. God, would you help me to lay down my life for the people around me, to set my needs aside? God, would you help me to encourage the people around me? Would you help me to see who they really are and encourage who they really are, not flatter them, but actually do these things? God, would you help me to live in harmony with people who don't think just like me, to serve people that aren't like me? Oh, God, would you help me admonish and love the people around me that I need to care for and want to? I mean, I hope you're getting a picture of this. I just want to show a few kind of passages that give a little more kind of ways for us to put handles around this today. This idea that life is a team sport, we really should say it this way. You see, Christian life is a team sport. Jesus didn't die just for individuals. He died to make a new people, to live a new way, to help the whole world around see what he intends and help us not just reach them individually, but by our collective way of relating, of loving, and walking with each other. Paul says it this way again. I love this. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Don't be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Don't be conceited. Now, there is so much summarized just in these few verses. That's why I grabbed it, because it isn't just a one another He speaks of those who around you have great things going on. Do you know what? I know for me, I want to celebrate with other people, but sometimes I'm jealous of other people's life going well. So guess what it's like? Hey, Lord, I want to be happy for my friend and all that's going well. Would you help me? Because I don't think my heart's there. I can say the words, but God, I I legitimately want to be excited for them. God's got to change us, doesn't he, to do that? We have to learn to actually rejoice with each other when we rejoice. And this one on the other side, mourn with those who mourn. I, I always get told, well, you, you get being with people in difficult times. You're a pastor. Like, as if to, I've got some special chip or some special dispensation that makes me have some gift for it or ability for it. You know what? I do a lot of dumb things when people are mourning. But the one thing I do is I show up. There, there aren't words to fix grief. You want to know why he says to mourn with those who mourn? Because being with them is what matters. And you know what's so sad in the midst of this last year? I think we have a lot of people in pain and grief. And guess what we do when we're in pain and grief? We isolate. And we have got to step towards people and we have to reach out to people who are isolating. Hey, I'm here with you. I'm here with you when you're alone and you don't know what to do. One of my greatest griefs, I I just uh, met with someone from our community that does a lot of the counseling work uh, collectively and is a bunch of different organizations doing it. And they were telling me that not only are all the cases of mental illness up in terms of anxiety and depression and all sorts of other things, but the highest group suffering right now are teenagers. I thought, oh my gosh, they just need people with them. 
was there ever a more important time for us to build a culture that helps our students find each other? Is there ever a more important time or a more important need than our kids being able to come back together when they can do it safely in ways they can do it safely? How hard it must be for them. And we don't even know how to sit with them and just kind of ache. We want to fix it. Oh, you're having a hard time? Well, here's the three things you need to do and you're going to have to do better. Maybe it's just sitting with them. Live in harmony with each other. If I could take all of your social media and wipe it out for you, I would today. I just want you to know. I have never seen something that's so divisive to how we see each other. I've come to the conclusion that, that social media is a place that I actually get to know your inner thoughts, which I don't think I should. And I'm not telling you you can't post them or what it is. But I've discovered that I love people better when I don't know what they're thinking. <laughs> I'd rather discover that in another way. And so many of us not only have gotten hostile to each other by what we see, we've made extrapolating judgments. We even judge who likes something, not even what's said. And we break relationship over that. I mean, how sad. How incredibly sad that we have now come to, we gossip, we do all sorts of things. We aren't living in harmony. We're living in division. Now, I can't change any of that for you, and I'm not, please don't go and tell someone else they should get off of it. I'm telling you it for you. If you can't love people well, stop looking. It's really easy. And I wonder how much more loving we'd be if we weren't becoming like the culture around us that is finding every reason to hate one another that we can. I'd also like to rip out all of your your, uh, news networks, by the way. I'm just telling you all the things I'd like to get rid of in your lives. Because you're all so exposed to everyone's way of thinking and you're convinced your way's right and the other ones are doctored and somehow you're objective. I just got news for you, you're not. None of us are. Man, we are not gonna love the way Jesus wants us to love when we're discipled by what we see on TV and what we read on social media. It happens by being in relationship with each other. I love how he finishes. Associate with people of low position, don't be conceited. He's not defining that they're better than others. He's reminding them that they're not. In the ancient world, when the church blew up and grew like it did, there was an incredible caste system, and the church violated it every single time they got together. Oh, you're at the lowest rung? You can't speak? Guess what? Why don't you go first to get communion? Oh, you go ahead and talk. Oh, I'm in a... uh, No, I don't. Imagine if the church shifted how we viewed everything else differently and loved differently. That's what, that's what Paul is simply saying. He's giving us an amazing picture to live and love outside of the way we do. Because quite honestly, you and I have a lot of things that affect us. At least I know they do for me. I've got to believe they do for you. I don't think I'm alone in this. I want to show you just a couple more. In Galatians, Paul says to carry each other's burdens and this way fulfill the law of Christ. He's now defining what Jesus said, which is love each other as I have loved you. Do you realize that we need each other? There's never a time, I think of this pandemic and I go, we've never had a time when all of us have been in need. And yet we all are to one degree or other. There are things I cannot carry alone and you cannot carry alone. And having someone else come with you and go, how can I help? Man, that's the life of community. That's the new community that cares when you have a burden you can't carry. And make no mistake, this is not a get-out-of-jail-free card. I don't have to do anything. A few verses later, Paul says, each one should carry their own load. 
He's not giving a pass. What he's saying is even when you carry your own load, you can't carry everything. Did you know I need you and you need me? I think about, you know, I'm in a pretty uh, easy season of life in terms of my children are grown. You know, I have grandchildren and my children are dealing with some of the things many young families are, but I'm not directly. But I look and go, what's it like to be a middle school kid right now? And all the things that you've already struggled with and all that insecurity is now intensified as you're not with people and all you live is what's online. What's it like to be a high schooler right now that you're suddenly asked to be a student like you're in a college where you do this work and then you go home and you have to do even, or you're home and doing it on your own? What's it like to live in more isolation? What's it like for our young adults who are living in this community where everything's family and now they're stuck in their places even more? What's it like for a single parent raising kids or two parents and they're doing it at home while doing all this stuff online? What's it like for those that are getting older and even more isolated, do you see the burdens people have? I've been doing a, a study through the Gospels of Jesus' healing ministry, and the one word I see almost every time is compassion. Literally, it means that Jesus sees with empathy what's going on, and he acts on it. That's another piece that's just missing for us. What would happen if you and I said, help me to just see the burdens around me? How can I walk with somebody in it? What's my neighbor going through? Have you even asked them how their life's going? Maybe you'll find out something you had no idea. I know I've been reaching out to a couple of mine, finding things out. They're carrying different burdens right now. I'm not fixing any of them. I'm sure walking with them when I can. Let me take you to just one more place because if there's anything that's most possible, there's a research that's saying that basically over this last year, we've moved ahead 10 years technologically because of the intense season we're under that we are moving so much more to people being online. I'm sure we have a lot of people watching online and I'm not saying that's a bad thing, especially with what we're going through, but living that way challenges some things. This is what the author of Hebrews says. Let us consider how we might spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. By the way, the day approaching means Christ's return. Here's the crazy part. In the first century, they were anticipating it all the time. Because we've had 2,000 years, I don't think we anticipated it at all. But what if we started to live as if we are anticipating Jesus' return? In case you don't know, we are closer to it than we've ever been. And guess what? Tomorrow will be even closer, and the next day will be even closer. What if you and I started to live for a longing and a desire for Jesus' return? How might we live in community differently? And make no mistake, we live in a ruggedly individualistic culture. And I love that there are wonderful conveniences that we can connect online when we can't be here. But if we continue to live that way, we miss out on the communal design of Jesus. Don't give up meeting together. And don't miss how key it is to encourage each other. It's funny, I'll, I'll tell you this, one other thing I've noticed lately. You know, the... There have been some hard years in my own life through, not just through this last year, but through some other ones. And for whatever reason, uh, I find a lot of peace with the Lord right now. And here's what I found. The more peace I have with God, the more I want to encourage other people. And here's what I'm finding. It's not so much that I get to encourage them. It's how deeply people need it. I'm not talking about flattery. I'm talking about, God, let me see in them what you do that I can cheer them on. Do you know how deeply people need encouragement right now? 
and I wonder who God might lead you to engage that with. See, the Christian life is a team sport. It's a different way we're called to live. In fact, if you look at our mission, radically loving, growing together in Christ, stop reading it as an individual and start reading it as a community. We are to grow in how we experience the radical love of Jesus. We are to grow in how we radically love others. We, and it says it here, so I should be redundant, growing together in him. We're invited to do something in community, not just alone. So we've said, hey, guess what? We're launching groups again today. If you're not in any kind of community, we'd love for you to engage in that. You can go online, allshore.org, allshores.org slash groups. There's ways to look. You Right from there, you'll be able to see what groups are open, when they are. I'm not telling you you even have to do that. I'm just saying, well, you take some step, but we'd love for you to move that way. I, I talked to a, a woman this week who's been going through a, kind of a, a, just a tearing apart of married life. She's now alone raising children. And it was fascinating to me because I said, well, what's given you life? And she said, you know, I started serving in the church. And just being with other people and having purpose has elevated my life in the midst of this. Maybe for some of you it's serving, but in some way you need to move communally towards others. Now, if you don't know how that is, we'd love you just to fill out a connection card. If you're here, you can take that QR code and do it. If you're online, they've got the link for you just for us to connect with you and help you connect with others. I'm not saying it has to be in large areas, but could it be in small ones just reaching out and not living alone? Could it be that you have need and we can know of it so we can better help serve you? It breaks my heart when I find out tragedies happen and I know months later because I just didn't know with someone I love. Christian life, it's a team sport. Jesus prayed that we'd be one, that we would be a community together. Paul gives us all these wonderful ways and some of the earlier followers of Jesus to love one another differently. And Jesus says it this way, the world will know and believe that he actually lived, died, and rose again by how you treat each other. Let's pray. God, I know for me, and I believe for others here, help us to shake loose from just believing we're individual and we're alone and we do things our own way. God, help us to move towards community together, towards each other, and towards you. And we need your help, Holy Spirit. Lead us in that. I pray this in your name. Amen.